1: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
0: One man who was among the number of believers and a part of the church for many years made the following statement. If I see a pretty girl and have wrong thoughts about her and then step into the street and get hit by a truck, I'm going straight to hell. His salvation was always on the line of dependence as to how well he lived the life. From close observation, from a pastor's viewpoint, it seems that for the most part they disregarded all but a few of the outward sins and so felt they lived the life acceptably. As long as they didn't smoke, drink, swear or commit adultery... They felt a measure of security by living the life. And thus, they continued year after year, guided by this warped view of sin and their need to live the best they knew how. Outwardly, they were without spot, they thought. Doctrinally, they were evangelical, they thought. Religiously, they were faithful and zealous, They fought. Spiritually, they were spirit-filled. They fought. Their judgment is up to God. What did he think? Thus, the Dora Lake Church and community was ripe for revival. Hearts were ready to hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Ralph Yankee Arnold, better known as Yankee, stepped into the pulpit of the Dora Lake Church on March 1969 He was God's prophet for the time and place. It was in the fall of 1968, hunting season. And hunting was a mighty big sport that all of the men and several women looked forward to all year. That year, the pastor and several men in the community, some of them attended the church, went on an elk hunt in Colorado. They stayed at a camp with several other hunters who were all excited about their chance at a trophy elk. The evening before the hunt, the camp owners put on a dinner for all the hunters. And it seems that many other hunters were invited from the area too. After dinner, they were introduced to the speaker who inspired them and challenged them from the word of God. His name was Ralph Yankee Arnold. Everyone was so impressed with his clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the men invited him to come to the church at Dora Lake for some special meetings. He agreed to come to Door Lake in March of the next year, 1969. Now, it makes you want to read the rest of the story, doesn't it? It's supposed to. But I didn't write this. I've got about eight different people who have wrote some things because it's hard to explain to people what really happened. And it was over 40 years ago and it deals with the subject of people believing that you can be saved today and then lost tomorrow and what happened and how I got blackballed in two major denominations in one year after I got out of Bible College how that the first church that I preached in after becoming a pastor or assistant pastor in Colorado I split the church wide open and there were people who wanted to do me in and they wanted to meet with me and tar and feather me and ride me out of town on the rail. all kinds of interesting things. But anyway, I thought this is what the word of God is talking about. The gospel, the truth of the gospel is so powerful that you and I, because we hear it all the time, take it for granted. Everybody's heard that. Or we've heard that so many times. We get tired of hearing it over and over and over again. If you get tired of hearing it. Think of how many times I've had to say it. I've been saying the same thing. For almost 50 years. And I never get tired of hearing it. Or telling it. It's the most powerful thing in the world. It's enough to save a man's soul. And to give him the free gift of eternal life. And he can know that he's going to heaven whenever he dies. You see. When you tell a person that Jesus Christ really did pay for all the sins of the world, and that by trusting Him and Him alone, He gives you eternal life as a free gift that very moment, and in the future will never cast you out, never lose you. It automatically comes in a person's mind. Are you trying to tell me that I can trust Christ as my Savior, and live any way that I want, and still go to heaven when I die? Yes. That's exactly what I'm trying to get people to see. Any preacher who will tell you other than that isn't fit for the ministry. He's not a good man. He's a liar. You can tell him I said so. I don't care what church up and down the streets. If you do not believe in eternal security that once you're saved you are always saved... They do not understand the gospel. We're not just another church like all the other churches. We are different and we are unique because of the truth and the power of the gospel itself. Now that I've said my opening remarks, let's go back to the book of Acts. (laughs) And chapter 9. In verse 20, straightway or immediately... He preached Christ in the synagogues, and the reason was is because when they went to the synagogue, they would open it up and let you talk. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If I could just mosey into anybody's church, and they say, "Who would like to speak this morning?" I had one guy by the name of Jack Matthias. He he was a rough dude. It was out in Colorado. I didn't want to even go see him because of. What I'd heard. It was almost like going to see Paul. But this man, he would beat you up himself. And he didn't need any documents from anybody or approval. He would just do it. He was a barroom brawler, he was a weightlifter. Muscles all over the place. Built kind of like myself. <laughs> and this guy, He latched on to it, and he saw it was by grace and not by works. I I, I never did get through to him about how to serve the Lord. He just took that message, that gospel, and, man, he would preach it to everybody. But he had trouble kind of, you know, cleaning up his life and watching what he said or how he said things. He was just crude and rude, and he would get a hold of him and say, Now, you trust the Lord. I said, Jack, you can't do that. It was the only way he knew, but he did it. And some of them trusted the Lord because they knew they could die at any moment. (laughs) He says, Yankee, let me tell you what happened. I said, what happened, Jack? He was always calling me up telling me what happened. He says, you won't believe it. He says, I went by the Mormon church. He says, and I just thought I'll just walk in and see what's going on. Now he wasn't a faithful guy. He would do things in spurts. But he walked by a Mormon church. And he walked in and he went into their little Sunday school class. He says there were about 10, 15 of them in there. He says and when he walked in. They asked him if anybody liked to say anything. Well Jack says yes. So they thought he would say something wonderful about the religion of Mormonism. He didn't. (laughs) He hit the gospel as strong and as clear as he knew how to hit it. And they didn't know what to do with him. Because, I mean, what would you have done with him? And he talks in a very intimidating way. But he would tell me what he did. And then he would do different things. It was just incredible things. But he didn't think about it. He just did it. You know, just do it. Well, the Apostle Paul goes into the synagogue. And I just want you to see this right quick. Look there in chapter 13. Chapter 13. And uh, look in verse, um, verse 15 where it talks about... Yeah, verse 15. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren... If ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up. And that's how they got their opportunity. So they would go to the synagogues and they'd wait for the right moment and boom. And uh, you never know what was going to happen. Remember at one time Jesus did that. And he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So go back to Acts in chapter 9 and verse twenty. Where he says, and he preached that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. By saying he is the Son of God, you are decided he is deity, he is God in the flesh. And that's what it referred to, that's what it meant. It's also mentioned that up there in verse 22. But first of all, verse 21, but all that heard him were amazed. And it says, is not this he that destroyed them, which called on his name or this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. See, he had a testimony that preceded him. People knew about this man. But see, God got a hold of him. God can change people. I one time was speaking in a rescue mission. And I was 21 years old and I I didn't know much. And I was at the rescue mission and they have all these drunks, you know, come in there and they sit down there because they get a free meal if they listen to the message. And sometimes the guy wouldn't show up and they'd let me speak. So I'd get up there and I'd preach. I don't remember what I said. But I know that whenever I was preaching this one time, all of a sudden this great big dude, I mean huge man, he just stared me down. Next thing you know, he stood up. And I'm talking, but I'm trying not to let myself be, you know, intimidated by this this guy. But I was. And then he, he walked out to the aisle. And then he started walking down the aisle and he kept staring at me, just staring at me. And I thought, there ain't nobody in here to protect me. <laughs> the guy that run the rescue mission is back there in the back room and this guy's coming down the aisle. I haven't given an invitation. But evidently, he had heard, that's what you're supposed to do, I hoped. But he walked all the way down to the front. And then he walked and got right dead in front of me. And then he stared at me. And then tears came in his eyes, and he said, I want to be saved. Yes. (laughs) I talked to him about the Lord, and he trusted the Lord right in front of everybody. But I've seen the gospel so powerful. I went one night to watch... Somebody else give the gospel. I'm hoping that sometime they wouldn't show up and I get a chance. But this time this guy, he showed up. He preached the gospel, or what he thought was. It wasn't. But there was a guy there that wanted to get saved. And so he says, "Um, um, if if you want to get saved, there's a room in the back. Go back to that room. Well, about five, six, seven guys got up and walked back there. Well, I was already in the back. So I thought, I am going to watch and see what he says. I want to learn. So I stood to the side, and these guys are in there, a bunch of winos and so forth. And he comes in there, and he looks at me, and he says, um, uh, he didn't have a clue what to do. He said, okay, all of y'all kneel, kneel in front of the um, uh, the chair of the couch. So everybody, they kneel down, just ah, watch. I say, this guy knows what he's doing. He didn't have a clue what he was doing. Um, Okay, reach into your pockets, and if you have anything in your pocket, take it out and put it up on the on the chair. So, these winos are <laughs> fifth <laughs> cigarettes, and he said, "If you've got anything, and like, you know, you shouldn't have, put it on." And so they were doing the best they could. And then he looked at me and he says, "What do I do now?" I told the guys, "I says, pick up your stuff. I says that has nothing to do with the gospel." And I talked to him about how to have eternal life. And I explained to the best I could. And <laughs> they all trusted the Lord. The guy thought I was, you know, whew, was somebody. Just the gospel. See, people don't have to quit something or join anything. They don't have to give up all their sins and things like that. Salvation is a gift. If people could only understand that and believe that. Well, he preached that. So he says here in verse 23, And after that many days... That many days was probably about the time uh, that's uh, mentioned in Galatians in chapter 1. About three years that he went in the backside of Arabia. He says, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying a weight was known of Saul. And they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Now, it also makes a statement in the, in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 11. Where it talks about in uh, verse 32, I believe it is. That they wanted, and he's rehearsing that story. He was the first basket case. They let him over the wall in a basket. Now, when they let him over the wall, see the reasoning is this. In the book of um, uh, Matthew in chapter 10... Uh, which is tremendous in talking about the disciples and not to be afraid, not to be afraid, not to be afraid, and talking about serving the Lord and the rewards that you get. But but in that portion of Scripture, it also makes this statement that if they persecute you into this city, flee into the next city. Now, if Jack Matthias had been there, he would not have fled. He would have shot him. Or stab them or cut off their heads. uh, Like the apostle Peter would have done. But he says, flee and go to another city. In other words, if you're witnessing to somebody and they say, I don't want to hear that, get away from me, leave me alone. Thank you, sir. Go to another one. Just leave them alone. Go to another one. And if they persecute you, go to another one. Go to another one. And go until you can't go no more. But you don't stop. You just go someplace else. You just stay at it. Now, in verse 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he said to join them. Three years later, he says to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Three years later, they were still not sure about this guy. And he says in verse 27, but Barnabas, who was a a person who came alongside, this is also referred to in, about him that he, uh, in the book of uh, Acts chapter 4, I believe it is, that his name, uh, it meant comforter, alongside, uh, to help bring a person along. And that's what he was doing. I believe his name was called uh, Joseph, or as it's written, Jose. But he was his name was changed because of the way that he could help somebody and Come alongside and, and bring him along. See, the other disciples didn't want him, and he had to be the one that was kind of breaking him in. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs somebody to kind of help and walk and guide them along. And this is what makes it so hard sometimes and difficult. People go off to Bible school, and they don't have a personal friend that they know. It really helped. When I went to Florida Bible College, I didn't have one of those. I just became friends with everybody, I guess. But when I went, I used to think, I wish there was somebody else here. That was my friend that knew me, that, but it didn't happen that way. Sometimes it don't always work. But I know this is a great comfort in having other people who know how you think and how you feel. And know what you're going through. And so Paul had somebody who did this for him and helped him. And in verse 28, and he was with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem believe this was the 15 days that's mentioned there in Galatians chapter 1 verse 18 because he did go to Jerusalem and he was there by 15 days. In verse 29, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. Now, disputed means they, they had strong arguments. They were not on the same page. But he would take The scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. I wonder what that was like when the Apostle Paul knew that all those scriptures that he had learned all those years at the feet of Gamaliel and studying the law. And then all of a sudden he trusts the Lord knowing that it's Christ. How those scriptures that he had read and studied all of a sudden becomes lights and he could see so much. I would have loved to hear their gospel presentation using the Old Testament scriptures. I bet they had insight into those scriptures that we don't have today. Because that's all they had. And the Holy Spirit, how would you like to have been one of those that was on that road that day when Christ came back from the dead and he says that he preached unto them and talked to them about those things concerning him in the prophets and the laws and in the Psalms. He says concerning me and how he opened up their eyes and their understanding. And all of a sudden they could understand In a moment where you and I have to study for how long. To learn some of the things that they could see and understand. Man, that must have been awesome. But in verse 30, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee, Samaria, and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost... They were multiplied. The man that caused havoc in the church. Was used by the Lord to bring peace to the church. Because he was the guy that was trying to do the men. And all of a sudden. I guess you could say. He saw the light. He really did see the light. And he says. Lord who art thou? He said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So you and I need to understand. If God can use the apostle Paul. God can use you. And it doesn't matter how bad you have been. God can use you. God can turn a person around. This is what we preach. We preach that God forgives people. And that there is reconciliation in the word of God. But it's where we are in the position of having a ministry given to us of reconciliation. Taking a person who is an enemy of God and reconciling them together. And bringing a person to the Lord because of what Jesus Christ did as a mediator between God and man. Let me show you something. I also want you to pray that I can get this book done that I've been wanting to do for about 30 years. I think it will be a good book when we get it done. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. Everybody has sinned. We've all done things wrong. But many people believe that yes. You you trust Christ as your savior. But you also got to live the life. No you don't have to live the life. To go to heaven. God will save you by grace. Grace means without works. And so God. Wants us to see how we cannot. Save ourselves by our works. And if it's not by grace. There is no salvation. You see God loves us. He hates our sin. To pay for it is death and hell. Everybody's condemned. So I believe in hell and brimstone and fire. Yes, I do. I believe every bit of it. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. Nobody will ever live good enough to go to heaven. So we have to understand since I cannot save myself by my good deeds, coming to church, giving money, changing your life, stopping some sins, will not help you go to heaven. Has absolutely nothing to do with going to heaven. You are lost, I am lost, and we are going to hell. We cannot save ourselves by any changing of our lives. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. See I can't go to heaven because of this sin. So Jesus Christ who had no sin didn't have to die. So he came into the world and took all the sin of all the world and paid for it. He paid for our sins 2,000 years ago which means that he's paid for our sins before we were born He's already paid for the person who's going to be born a hundred years from now. And if he should tarry, he's already paid for the sins of the people born a thousand years from now. All the sin of all the world, of everybody, he paid for. Once and for all. So whenever I accept the payment that he made for me, he didn't make a payment for half of my sins. Up to this point, he made a payment for all of my sins. From the time I'm born to the time that I die, all of them. He didn't make a partial payment. He made a total, complete payment. A payment in full, came back from the dead and said, If I would believe it, he did this for me. He would put the death payment he made to my account. I died and paid for all of my sins, but Christ did it for me. God is satisfied. That all my sins are paid. So I don't have one sin to pay for. Not a one. I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to go. Christ died for my sins. All of them. And all that I had to do was believe he did it for me. It's so simple. People can't believe it. Because it's free. It's the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Yeah, I do the best I can as far as how I live. But I'm not trusting in my living the life to get me to heaven. If I live the life, God will bless my life here and reward me when I get to heaven. But going there was free. And he'll never cast me out and never lose me. That's the good news. That's what makes it good news. I am saved forever. I am eternally secure. If you're not eternally secure, you are not secure. If there's a possibility you could lose your salvation in the future, you don't know you won't. So you can't be secure today if there's a possibility you can lose it tomorrow. I can't lose mine. I have His Word on it. He's my Savior, not me. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that God does love you. And that you can't save yourself. That's how he proved his love for you. By doing something for you, you could not do for yourself. You could not save yourself. And he doesn't need your help. He does it all. He came into the world and died and paid for your sins. And all he wants you to do is to believe he did it for you. He died, paid for your sins, and came back again from the dead. And he'll come again one day. So in the quietness of this moment, is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And right now, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And friend, if you will trust Christ right now, he will save you right now and give you the free gift of eternal life. Would you trust him? If you will, I'd like to have prayer for you. But I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to trick you in any way. I do it with heads bowed and eyes closed. But I want to know if what I said made sense to you. If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, you never have to do it again. But if you're not sure... Would you do it right now? And if you will, would you just let me know by an upraised hand. Just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. You want it all. Say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior. You want it all. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon this church because they do know the truth. They do know the gospel. Help us to be faithful in explaining it to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water
1: to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. amazes me